You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge on the Mighty 1290 Coil, the Mighty1290Coil.com, and the Mighty 1290 Coil mobile app. Once again, here's Sean McGuire. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of America's Healthcare Challenge here on the Mighty 1290 Coil. We're in the middle of a conversation with Sally Pipes, CEO and president of the Pacific Research Institute, as well as author of a new book out called The Way Out of Obamacare. And we'll go right back into it. We want to thank you very much for uh, joining our show today, Sally. It's an honor and a privilege to have you here. Uh, You talk in your book about, uh, you know, the price of coverage in the Affordable Care Act is just gone completely out of control. And, you know, that's something that we talk about quite a bit on the show is, you know, the coverage, the deductibles, the the, uh, cost of the premiums. Uh, What do you uh, see coming down the pipe and what, you know, I've read parts of your book and I've read several of your reviews and I appreciate you taking a lot of time to put the way out of Obamacare out for the public to see. And I would tell anybody they should go get it and read it. Um, so could you talk a little bit about how, what your plan would be as far as deductibles, uh, premium based, you know, talk about HSAs and, and just kind of clue us into what you propose the changes should be. Right. I'd like to just step back a second and talk about, you know, the president promised that if you liked your doctor, and you liked your insurance company, nothing would change. And he promised that the average family would see their premium go down by $2,500. He promised there would be universal coverage, emergency room use would go down, and the cost of health care in this country would go down. Well, first of all, he hasn't achieved any of those objectives that were set out in the Affordable Care Act. And in fact, uh, the um, January 31st was the closing of the open enrollment period for uh, the Affordable Care Act for people to enroll either on healthcare.gov or on a state-based exchange. Um, they, they, um, the administration said 12.7 million people have signed up on the exchange. But the number that the Congressional Budget Office had said would sign up for 2016 was 21 million. So 21 million is a lot more than 12.7 million. So, and then the um, Avalier and a number of companies that do research on this have shown as in the past few years since Obamacare has been in effect January 1st, 2014, um, people do sign up for the care, 12.7 million, but 15% of them will never pay the first month's premium. So we're probably looking at about 9.8 million who will sign up. The, the, the way that the Affordable Care Act would have worked is that 40% of the young invincibles, those people 18 to 34, would have signed up for coverage on the exchange rather than paying the individual mandate penalty. In fact, only 28% have signed up. So this causes a a problem for insurance companies. And so it's no wonder that in the last few months we've seen uh, United Health, Aetna, Cigna, Humana all coming out saying, you know, we're losing a lot of money on our exchange plans. United uh, lost $720 million last year on their exchange plans. Aetna lost $100 million. They are all saying, we don't know whether we will be able to be in the exchanges um, in 2017 because they can't afford to lose all of this money. So even though the pre- the average premium for a plan on the exchange is $408 a month this year, a lot more um, than people people were promised by the president. But if insurance companies cannot stabilize and, and um, um, ha- um, you know, not lose money, um, you know, that's why they're talking about getting out. If these big insurers get out of the exchanges, 
it's going to be um, cause for an implosion of Obamacare. And at the same time, 12 out of the 23 co-ops that were allowed to be set up under the law, uh, 12 of the 23 have already failed, gone into bankruptcy. Uh, we, the taxpayers, have lost $1.3 billion out of the 2.4 that the feds put in. So just as background, um, there's a lot of problems with, with, with Obamacare. The premiums are higher, deductibles are higher, smaller networks, and now insurance companies are merging and talking about getting out of the exchanges. So I see, you know, ahead um, that this law, based on these points, will not be able to um, stand. So I have a replacement plan in my book, The Way Out of Obamacare, which focuses on empowering doctors and patients, not the federal government. You know, most people have no idea um, what the true cost of health care is because 60% of Americans get their health care through their employer. And so they may pay a copay part of the premium, but they don't really know. So we need to empower doctors and patients. The biggest flaw in our health care system has been the fact that um, the federal tax code um, during World War II when wage and price controls were in, people who have employer-based coverage and employers get their uh, health care tax-free. If you lose your job, you go into the individual market, you have to buy your health care with after-tax dollars. So I would like to see um, it change so that individuals can get their health care with pre-tax dollars. Um, until we can get a properly functioning market, we shouldn't get our health care through our employers. Um, I talk also about the cost of mandates, mandates on insurance companies either through the state or through health, the essential benefit plan at 20 to 50% of the cost of coverage. If you want a health care plan that covers, say, in vitro fertilization, you should be able to go out and buy it. But if, if I don't want one that covers that, why should I have to pay to subsidize you? So we need to get rid of these costly mandates We need to focus on um, health savings accounts, which allow people to put the money away in their account every month, tax-free, rolls over, combine it with a high-deductible plan. 19.7 million people now have health savings accounts. And for those who have them through their employer, research has just shown that the cost of health care for those people has actually gone down because people become concerned about you know, what, what the cost is and what they're getting. We need to reform Medicare and Medicaid. We need to, the states need to do um, tort reform so that we get rid of the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the very expensive cost of, of defensive medicine. Right. We need to limit. So those are some of the things that are, that are in my book that I think will lead to um, a replacement plan. And Paul Ryan has said that they will bring out a single replacement plan prior to the convention um, in, in Cleveland. That's for the GOP. Right, right, right. Interesting. You mentioned the you got you got me going on the uh, insurance companies and the consolidation. Like we've talked at length on our program here, America's Healthcare Challenge. By the way, we're joined by Dr. Sally Pipes, author of The Way Out of Obamacare, among other books. And um, what happens if these these marketplaces do crash, like the individual marketplace, uh, as as we've seen? Like you mentioned, was it twenty eight percent? of Young Invincibles as opposed to 40. Uh, we have this right. big year in 2017 coming up uh, with the uh, three R's, we, t- we call them going away. Could you elaborate on that a little bit so our listeners could understand that? Right. So um, if you don't have the young people to cover the cost of, of the people who, you know, who are now covered, and sort of older people who use a lot more health care, I mean, you know, government can stay in business because they tax us more, but insurance companies you know, can't do that. So um, I see, you know, the insurance companies pulling out. Then there won't be any plans uh, for people to sign up for on healthcare.gov, which covers 38 states, 
or the 12 states in D.C. that have their own um, state plans, like such as covered California. So the, the whole law um, is going to it's going to implode because you can't, you know, you can't, the the young people aren't there to subsidize and build a higher risk pool. Another point is that um, they just came out at CMNS just came out yesterday saying that they're going to have to change this special um, um, enrollment period because what they found was that a lot of people they could get. Um, could sign up outside the open enrollment period if they could prove that they lost their job and therefore they lost their insurance or they got divorced or there was a death in the family. So a lot of these people um, were fraudulently claiming these things and there was no proof. And then they would um, sign up for coverage when they knew they had a, an illness or needed surgery, get their coverage, get their care, and as soon as they were better, they dropped their care. So this puts also tremendous pressure on the insurance company. So it's another reason why the insurance companies are experiencing these huge losses on their exchange plans. So, um, you know, in uh, if you look at the 12 out of 23 co-ops that, that failed, 742,000 people lost their coverage um, because of that, 200,000 in New York State alone. Well, these people had to scurry and get coverage before the end of January to get on the, to get coverage on an exchange. But if all of the the big insurers are getting out, there won't be exchange plans that these people will be able to get. And if smaller insurers are still in the plan, they are not going to be able to survive um, because there just won't be, they won't be large enough to deal with this. So I see this is um, a major um, issue for um, Obamacare and it, it can't survive. And why it's so important that the Republicans come up with a replacement plan that they all agree to, it's similar to mine, including age-based refundable tax credits rather than tax exemptions. So, so it's Obamacare is in a predicament. In spite of what the president tells people, you know, that his law is working and it's here to stay, I think um, it's just not the truth. I have one more question uh, on, on um, specialty drugs. Um, how do you see that impacting? I think 3%, I believe, is contro contributing to 30% of the cost, as in 3% of people, and we, we work with a lot of people uh, with employers, for example, and uh, municipalities in particular, and they are just getting hammered by these specialty drugs, especially as they uh, are self-insured. Uh, how, uh, how does that impact the market, and um, how do you see that playing out? And I, I believe it's because of the... Um, taxes in the law, the $85 billion surtax. Do you have any thoughts on specialty drugs and the future of that? Well, I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of play in the media these days saying, you know, um, pharmaceutical companies are, you know, um, just charging way too much and it's bankrupting uh, people and, you know, on and on it's the evil uh, drug companies. In fact, you know, a drug costs are about 9% of total health care costs in this country and they are about... Um, uh, $3 trillion a year. So drug costs have been pretty stable um, over over many years. The real issue is America is the country where all of these fine new drugs, um, biologics, cancer drugs are developed. They aren't developed in countries like England and France. All the big companies, whether it's GlaxoSmithKline, um, 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 uh, Roach, all of these companies do their R&D in America because it's very expensive. Most drugs don't make it through all of the trials and the FDA um, because it costs close to $2 billion from an idea to bring a drug to the market. So we are very fortunate to have a drug like Savaldi, which will cure hepatitis C. It's true, it costs $94,000 a year, but it actually cures hep C. 
if a person doesn't have that drug, but they need a new liver and they have to have a liver transplant, if they can get one, that cost is over $500,000. So I think, you know, we don't want to have price controls on pharmaceuticals. We want to allow the industry to flourish, to allow new drugs to, to come out there. And as Frank Lichtenberg at Columbia said, for every $1 spent on newer pharmaceuticals, we save $7.17 in, in hospital costs. So um, we want to keep the drug the drug companies alive. The, the insurers are trying to cut back on what they're paying, charge more copays, cutting back on what they'll cover. Right. But these are these are the, the drugs of the future and the, why we see a cure for a hep C. Um, certain new new drugs are very effective in treating cancer and stroke and heart. Um, you know, 30 years ago, these things weren't available. Right. And I, this is Alan again. And I would just have to ask, you know, we talk about wellness a lot as well. And how that impacts healthcare costs uh, on the show and how employers are starting to look at wellness as a way of keeping uh, employees healthy uh, to lower their costs. Could you talk a little bit about that? Because we also believe that at the same time, Obamacare was more health insurance reform than actually healthcare reform. Right. And so uh, I would like to just dive into that topic a little bit. Well, I mean, wellness is very very important. And, you know, in this country, we do have, you know, problems with obesity, which lead to, you know, diabetes, uh, mm-hmm. type 2 diabetes, all kinds of problems when people who are, you know, overweight and, and don't eat healthy food. The issue is, though, you know, you, the government can't force people to eat, um, you know, green salads or, you know, fruits and things. I mean, people have to take responsibility mm-hmm. for, for, their, for their own lives and how they live their lives. Um, education is an important part. I think, you know, so wellness, you know, if people are well, their, their health care costs will come down. But the question is, how do you get people to change, change their behavior? And we've seen with uh, Michelle Obama's various food um, issues, she hasn't really been able to change the way people, people buy their food, what, the way they eat, um, because it's an individual thing. And so I think it's important and companies should you know, provide information on healthy eating, but they can't force their people to quit smoking or not to eat uh, French fries. No, and, and and I totally agree with you on that. Um, it's just that, okay, so like, I, I agree with you on Michelle Obama's Let's Move program as well, and my kids are in school, and it's not very, what, what, what they're being served in school is not what I would be serving them at home, and I'm pretty strict about the type of foods that my kids get. Right. Um, and... So uh, as far as I'm, con- you know, I, I agree with you on some of these issues. Uh, I think that uh, we need more of a focus, though, as, as individuals, and we need to take personal responsibility, uh, and, and that's where you're going with that, I think, on, on wellness, that, you know, we've talked about that many, many times on our show, that employees and individuals, you know, this is the greatest country in the world, and we talk about individual responsibility. This is why we do it. Exactly. Exactly. Any final thoughts? Um, well, I just, I just really think that you know the work that I'm doing, the work you're doing, we have to educate the Americans on why a single payer Medicare for all system. Bernie Sanders' plan, he says, will cost uh, um, about 1.4 trillion dollars a year. Um, you know, it'll probably cost double that because um, it all have to be funded by you know new taxes. But you're going to have the same problems as in England and Canada: long waits, ration care and lack of access to the, the, the new treatments and technologies. So we have to 
let the American people know that maybe it sounds like an easy out. We just have the government pay for everything. But if you look at the VA system, it doesn't work, and it's not the solution. We need to put um, empower doctors and patients rather than the government and develop a health care system that suits the needs of individual families and individual families. As Milton and Rose Friedman in their great work, Free to Choose, said, we need to let the American people be free to choose the type of health care system that fits their needs. And so it's very, very important that people don't get hoodwinked into thinking, you know, Hillary Care, Obamacare 2.0 with a public option building on Obamacare or Sanders is Medicare for all. These are not the systems that are going to lead to um, better um, health um, outcomes for the American people. Thank you so much, Sally, for all this wonderful information you've provided us. It's truly been uh, a privilege and an honor. We look forward to having you back on America's Healthcare Challenge at some point, hopefully to talk about the replacement bill that Speaker Ryan and the Republicans can get through Congress to a Republican president. Excellent. I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful day. All right. Thank you so much. That was Sally Pipe, CEO and president of the Pacific Research Institute, talking about the Affordable Care Act and the way out of the Affordable Care Act, or the way out of Obamacare is actually the name of the book. And you know what? We had a couple debates in town halls the last few weeks, and it was crazy on the Republican stage as Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz attacked Donald Trump on health care. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge. If you want to call in, we still have time, 402-342-1290 or 800-577-1290 outside the metro. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash America's Healthcare Challenge or edbellisinc.com and check out our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash America's Healthcare Challenge on the mighty 1290 coil.